Hello folks, Tyler here. We're looking to do a big surge on iTunes. We really want to push the old iTunes, you know, get us up the charts a bit, because I know you lot are lovely and supporting all over. Um, so if you fancy it, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, make sure to leave a five-star review and a couple of lovely words as well, just to uh, you know, help us up a bit more and get that extra bit of support. Thank you very much. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello, welcome to Uncle Mo's family feedback. We'll look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm, of course, your host, Tom Crane. Join with me today is my work from home buddy and my Hawaiian t shirt connoisseur. It's uh, Cal Reader himself. Cal, how the hell are you? Boo! Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm tired from working from home. I was late a few times last week uh, out of five days. (laughs) This is what everyone says. Um, I I, I don't think anybody from work watches this, so it's uh, listens to this, so it's fine. Uh, But the excuse I use is because I'm using my own laptop, Uh, it was connection problems. Um, In reality, it's just I overslept. But now, but then one of my managers has said they're sending everyone an Ethernet cable uh, to stop fraudulent activity. Um, I think the only fraudulent activity that'll stop is me calling late for work when I wasn't actually late. But apart from that, it's all good. What about yourself? How are you finding it? It's weird, isn't it? It's very weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm getting used to it now. And, you know, I think the worst bit of it is, you know, having to convince my um, co-workers that, you know, oh, you know, can't wait to get back in the office and resume regular horrible corporate life, you know. And, um, I mean, I just love it, you know. We just get to wake up at, you know, quarter two and then start work at eight. It's an absolute dream for me. See, I, because I work in, in a bank as uh, like part of the call centre kind of thing. And sometimes we get through to... Uh, telephone banking uh, the other day uh, I had somebody call through and I could hear chickens in the background <laughs> oh you don't get that every day do you? so yeah so it's it's interesting you get a lot of people just going I can't be asked for this it's weird like it's just really weird I was like yeah I know but... and the episode we're going to be reviewing today folks is Hungry Hungry Homer from season 12 episode 15 directed by Nancy Cruz written by John Swartzwelder with the original air date being March the 4th, 2001, and the couch gag being that the Simpsons are all in, you know, karate uniforms, and they end up chopping down the couch, then Homer gives a little twirl and pops on the TV. As always, ask for the, these episodes. Cow, any nostalgic memories? Or what do you think of this one in particular? I I do have bits and bobs of this. I always remember um, with the delicious hot dog at the end, uh, with all the, the mango chutney and everything like else. And, uh, um, I remember bits and bobs of it. It's 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 a, it's a serviceable episode, I believe. Um, shows good old corruption of of you know sports teams and such like that. I don't know if it's based off anything. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to tell us that uh, later date. But yeah, I thought I think I think it's a serviceable episode. It's not terrible. It's not amazing. But overall, it's all right, I guess. What about yourself? I mean, this is season 12, you know, this is getting into the later seasons and you're seeing the 
dip and unfortunately you see the dip here as well you know younger tiger watched it and felt one way then older tiger rewatched it and felt another way you know I'm not mad you know i'm just uh disappointed with this episode like your mum would say disappointed <laughs> the shudder see you fully said it should say that off topic i think the worst one that ever happened we used to have this teacher um whose nickname was psycho side he is he used to always yell at you and all that stuff but he's actually quite a good teacher and if you got on with him he was sound he was really he was a really good good chap and um one time he just he was teaching and he just didn't come in for about half an hour it was a, a, it was like a single period of maths we would just, we didn't get anyone we weren't doing anything we were just pissing around and talking and shit and then he finally came in he was just like i'm so sorry guys i thought i'd already uh i'd, I'd organized i was bringing it over on a meeting why didn't you go and tell anyone and we were like uh, it's just like Ugh. i'm not angry i'm just disappointed and everyone just felt dirty it was just like oh no <laughs> i'm sorry psycho sides I, the most psychotic thing ever. And we open up this episode with a parody of Wegoland. We've got an advert for a Blocko Land, they know. Forget Universal Studios, forget Wet and Wild Folks and those boring regular parks. Because this one's made entirely out of blocks then, you know. It's even got the, you know, singing praise of a kid coming out, you know. Did you enjoy it, young boy? Oh, it was alright, I guess. But, you know, this doesn't deter Homer. Tries to big up to the kids, but they're all meh about it but maggie you know she can't wait to get in she gets strapped into a baby seat uh, so much so that she commits grand theft auto with a good bit of you know home going oh maggie no looking panicked and then they're uh, uh they're off to blocker land it seems so with this uh obviously it is a ripoff of legoland have you ever been to legoland or anything like that <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i was really waiting for that because yeah i had a banging eighth birthday there you know way back in oh, 2002 like i was really into it you know um logo bionicles and that before it became such a massive meme and that um yeah we got to do logo races you know in proper in live and then got to do the stunt show as well with all the fire and then diving out, diving out the tower into the water so oh loved it just loved every single bit of it uh do you ever go lego land yourself there i i always wanted to go i, I used to collect lego quite a bit obviously had a lot of uh of the Harry Potter ones and such like that. I had this one, which was a, uh, like a Viking thing. And the thing is, you don't, what you don't realize until much year, many years later is how expensive Lego is. And I remember looking it up a good few years ago. And if I still had everything and it were all in steam, uh, position, it'd be, it'd be worth about 800, 900 quid. And that was about 10 years oh ago. God, that like, It weren't obviously that expensive when my parents bought it. But it took me fucking weeks to build this massive case. And I was so proud of it. Made made a dragon and everything like that. And I just put it, placed it down on the ground for uh, five minutes. And my sister was recreating something she'd seen on Strictly. Uh, come dancing. Did a twist. Fell on it. Broke it. And I cried. I was about 13 years old. <laughs> I, 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 I think I was so angry. I didn't even cry. I was just heartbroken because it just lost little pieces what I couldn't build I couldn't be bothered building it again and I was just like my sister was sorry and I just to this day think she did it on purpose a fucking bitch and through absolute polar opposites oh yeah I'll be honest with you Tyler I think that's the year the day my childhood died if I'm honest with you like it's when I grew up and started balding like someone literally took a piece out of your soul 
<laughs> but in regard, in regards, I remember we've got something in the UK. I don't even know if it's still open. It's called Diggerland. It's literally, it's the most shit fucking theme park ever. My my grandparents. Well, my granddad was going to take us there because he thought it'd be really good. He never did because we were just like, no, it sounds shit. It's literally a load of diggers and ride-based diggers and such like that. So one of them, you go, it's just like a massive digger and you just sit in the little spade thing and uh, you spin around it and shit like that. It's the most, look it up on YouTube, it's the most ridiculous theme, idea of a theme park. It's like a tax haven or whatever. Um, my brother, who's got stepkids, went with his fiance. didn't take his stepkids, <laughs> just wanted to go to Diggerland, because I don't, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it is. He enjoyed it, though, so. <laughs> Found where you end up getting to, uh, Blocko Land there, and, um, this is where we get, you know, a lot of hit and miss jokes there um, about Legos and getting stuck and all that. You've got mascots getting stuck together. You've got um, you know, Homer and the leeches and the paddle boat ride. And you've got the slide going out, 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 wee and all that. But it's very like sketch show. You're very hit and miss there, Cal. Did you have any particular favourites at all? Yeah. Um, I think probably the whole wee, ow, 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 ow. Or maybe, like you said, the two people getting uh, stuck on the uh, stuck together. Uh, like you said, it's it's very sketch comedy where hit and miss kind of thing. I mean, out of all of them, my favourite's got to be when the in the arcade and it's Bart and Nelson. It's the real rock and sock and robots, and you get Nelson punching his head off, and you knocked his block off, and you like, come with me. <laughs> So the Simpsons have enjoyed their day out at Blockerland and Bart somehow defying the laws of all physics and biology he's managed to get a Roblox um, Blockerland shirt there and he absolutely hates it but Lisa's got a Eiffel Tower um, set but you know the bottom rut is missing in there but you know Homer saying oh you can't fight City Hall or Blockerland so just give up honey and um, I didn't really like this because like Homer then gets spurred on to be you know, the man of the little people and to help the common man by Marge just saying, oh, I'm sure they can replace it. Like, I need something more substantial, you know, instead of this sort of weak, inciting incident, you know, we need something more impactful. Don't know about yourself there, Cal. See, what it reminds me of, and I feel like the other episode did it better, is when he watches Zorro and uh, he gets the glove and he uh, says... And he starts slapping people and demands respect oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, I feel that did it. It's a very similar kind of pre- premise, but they did it better. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a nice idea. It just it didn't really in the long term of it really fit in very well with why he would go on a hunger strike. I feel I don't know. And I mean, it's the fact they spent so much time at Blocko Land, you know, a good three or so minutes in there where they could cut a bit of that, keep your initial jokes there and just speed on and get more into Henry Kay and the Duffman and the absurdity of it all there. So we now get Homer returning to the souvenir stand there looking for Lisa's missing block, but the souvenir guy has been a 
bit of an arsehole and saying, oh, sorry, lad, uh, we won't be able to help you there. But, you know, Homer's about to turn away, but Lisa's feel was just dejected, so he's going to give it a proper good chance now. And he says, all right, fine. Oh, maybe I'll leave you with a souvenir. And you think he's cocking back for punch, but you get a, <laughs> a cute little uh, Homer snow globe here as well. And he ends up getting the piece back through it as well. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like a little snow globe at home. It'd be nice. I'd, I'd let one with my face in. That'd be cool. With Homer being successful, they're designed to help out everyone else he knows. So he ends up helping out Bart, you know, the girl he wants to take to the prom school dance. Uh, has rejected him. So he's going undercover like Steve Buscemi in... Uh, like, how do you do, fellow kids? Like his little get up here as well. And, you know, Sherry calls him an ugly, stupid dork. And he goes, oh no, but he's got sort of pathetic rodent charms and seems chomping on a little <laughs> biscuit there. And then he just tells her, you know, oh, settle, you know, because you're not getting any younger and, you know, you're no prize pig yourourself. Just <laughs> awful. Advice. This bit made me laugh. I can't, I, this, I, this was going to actually be my favourite, uh, my favourite part joke of the. This, the episode of my what is it I can't, what is it what exactly does he say about it because i like whatever his name is tyler or whatever uh oh, duh he's uh, breathtaking <laughs> that just get it, that made me giggle <laughs> it's a sort of duh we also get home helping out marge here in a little easter egg here the store being called harry shearers you know based on harry shearer one of the voice actors there and he goes in and he says oh you won't honor my wife's coupon there you know typical uh, camp hairdresser type, you know. Oh, but all that streaking on the hair, I'll lose that much money. Oh yeah, well, you know, show me your real books, and then gets behind there. Oh my word, your profits are razor thin. And then he goes, Oh yeah, it spent thousands of dollars on um, loafer lightener. Get it? Cause he's gay. And then he just says, Oh, switch to mince and gel, you know, cause you know you're gay. Just poor gay jokes, cow. You know, I just. Really poor. It's like a ten-year-old wrote this, you know. Ah, I found it funny. I thought it's like, wow, your book, your books are really bad, like, Oh my god! Because well, <laughs> but I need to do it. I don't know. It, it, it's typical snowflake Tyler. And I know it's not to my taste anyway, but I just feel like it's just punching down of minorities and such. You know, like you know, it's not you know, love thy neighbor and all the other horrible seventies sitcom bollocks you know those tasteless jokes there i think you know i mean they can do better i think they just need a good rewrite with a few of these and you know yeah yeah you, you've heard all my opinions before anyway folks yeah definitely uh out of curiosity I, I i'll be honest i don't know i don't really follow sports enough to have a season ticket would you be able to get a refund if your team was just losing i don't think you would oh i mean absolutely not i mean they're all tight Listless yeah. billionaires and that, and all evil black sludge corporate owned. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to rub every penny together, so absolutely not. Or they're taking like some ridiculous, like a 20% uh, cut, whilst people who make 600 quid a week aren't going to get paid whatsoever. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're absolute bastards. I mean, my own club, Tottenham, you know, Dan Levy's, you know, looking to go for government aided help, you know, whilst uh, all of the actual players are kindly donating, you know, percentage of their wages. It's the owners they really need to get, you know, the lobbing bastards. Mike Ashley and all those twats. Like, the, like have you seen, slightly off topic, obviously, because we're recording it at the peak of the pandemic, um, with Virgin Media say, uh, saying, stay at home, everyone be safe, it's okay, don't worry, whilst notoriously fucking uh, Branson 
is refusing to pay his employees uh, is obviously Weatherspoons as well. All it's going to show is it's just going to make people, re, you know, go to independent companies, go to independent places and shit like that. Yeah, so as Homer is spurred on by his great track record now at helping the little man, he decides to help Lenny, who won't get a season ticket refunded for the Springfield isotopes. Um, keep hold of that there, folks. And so Homer takes it upon himself to get his uh, refund no matter what. So he ends up going to the Duff Stadium there and he meets with Henry K. Duff Manor, uh, villain of the week, uh, if you're using the old X-Files terms. And I just um, like how it's just really straight and not intentionally not funny at all. You know, like, oh, I'll give my friend back his refund. No, we can't do that. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, okay. And then it's just awkwardly trailing off. So uh, you want a bite to eat? No. No, I do not. Just, <laughs> yeah, it, this is truly where it picks up now, Cal. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. That made me giggle as well. It's just like, you want to go to dinner? It's just a complete stranger. <laughs> so Homer goes to leave through the private room, but it turns out there's a lot of banners and flags and memorabilia and stuff for uh, Albuquerque Ice Toast. So it's quite obvious that. The team's going to relocate, but Henry K tries to shut this down. Oh, no, 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 not, no, you didn't see anything here. Now, uh, you know, how can I interest you in a drink? And they really sell it well. They try and um, they give you the old misdirect here, saying, oh, Duffman, can you come in with two cold, extra icy Duffs? And then you look at this weird serum thing, and he goes, oh, this serum makes it extra malty. You sure that's not a drug? I'm very sure. And then, who comes in, cow? It's uh, good old Lance. But is his name Lance or is it Leslie? I can't remember. It says it later in this episode. Um, Lance, yeah. Uh, it, it's a, they offer some very nice malty, uh, a nice fur, fur, serum, what makes it extra malty, you know, extra, yeah, a little bit extra. And uh, good old Lance fucking drugs the, drugs the poor man. You think it's going to be a drug, but no, it actually does make the drink really malty. Now, Homer, we've developed this additive that makes beer super, super malty. Care to try? Wait a minute. Will this erase my memory? No, not at all. Man, that is malty. But he'll never know. <laughs> I mean, from this point onwards, I mean, according to me anyway, um, Duffman really elevates this episode. He's the glue that holds it together, really lifts it uh, for the rest of these two acts, Carl. Duffman's Def- a fantastic character. He's probably one of my favourite side characters. Of- one what's not like, obviously, Wigan, where he's not in that many episodes kind of thing, second to maybe Gil. Um, there is a scene in this later on which is actually quite funny uh which we'll get to once it shows i think you, you're probably thinking know, know which one it is oh yeah can't wait i mean as far as mascots go i mean Duffman's up there you know i mean he's um he's no sergey but um he's quite good isn't he we don't really have we don't really have that type of mascot do we over here i guess the gokon bear guy but... <laughs> wow i'd never thought i'd Hear that comparison. We'll have him even get brought up at any point in the podcast. He's our Duffman. So Homer is knocked out by this serum there. And we get him cutting straight back to Evergreen Terrace there where he's hanging on top of Santa's little helper's uh, home, his kennel. And then we have Bart come out and it's exactly like, in fact, it is a nice fitting tribute to Peanuts and Charlie Brown. 
but even hits him with it. Oh, good grief. And straight away, Homer's just not with it. You know, he's always quirky. I'll be quirky. I'll be quirky. I'm back. And he's, bam, straight on it, straight back into it. So um, he somehow manages to get all of the press believing in this fat oath to try and uh, expose Henry Kay and the Duff Corporation. A little bit of continuity as well, folks. You get Duff Man reminding them that, you know, why do you want to slander the good name of Duff? And weren't you once in a loony bin? Going back to Starkraven Dad there, so uh, well done there, Simpsons writers. But enough stalling from Henry K. Homer barges through the once private room, and who do we see in there, Cal? Uh, there's a trumpeter going, meh, meh. Henry K. already had this planned, and, you know, to schmooze over the media and the press junk, he goes, ah, oh, here's a great headline for tomorrow. Idiot liar found guilty. <laughs> hey, that is a good idea, and you get all the fucking idiots of Springfield. It's in the mob mentality. It's in the press. It's everywhere, Cal. Just, I've always liked that recurring gag that was sticking there. It is. It's, just, it, it's such a dumb headline. That's very, you know, very tabloidly. And it kind of shows a corruption of the corporation. But let's be honest. Every fucking corporation is uh, corrupt as shit. They're some of my favourites, favourites really. If I actually work for one. But, you know... <laughs> Oh, shock horror there. It is what it is. I'll tell you after the recording of all the corrupt things my workplace has, uh, has done over time, and it's probably still doing, if I'm honest. But I'll tell you about that on, when it's not recorded, and it could get me sacked. Homer gets to see his efforts on uh, local news as Kent Brockman's interviewing Henry Kay, and he successfully managed to spin it around, and Homer looks like the daft sod that he is. So he decides to go on a hunger strike there, as suggested by Lisa. Marge supports him, but he's not that willing. I mean, he's even eating a sausage right now. and Looks like one damn good sausage cow, but he's going to eat nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Good old Homer. He likes his food. We're going to have Homer setting himself up outside Duff Duff Stadium. He's going through with it, folks. He's going through with a hunger strike there. So he chains himself in. And I will say, um, the animation is, you know, pretty good in this episode i mean you see homer go through disheveled you know loses a hell of a lot of weight throughout this time and the scraggliness of his beard you know his ill-fitting clothes they've done a bang-up job here cal really appreciated the detail that they put into a lot of these character designs oh definitely 100 percent. i think it, it's back when they kind of cared about the animation or anything so we're on day one of the protest and we have uh Homer's little protest song here. I'll stick it in here now. Dancing away my hunger pangs. Moving my feet so my stomach won't hurt. I'm kind of like Jesus, but not in a sacrilegious way. Jeez, Homer's losing it already. Yeah, but his weary shuffling makes my heart smile. We also get, um, during his um, trials and tribulations, um, did you see uh, Milhouse and uh, Kirk? coming out on the little line he gives him he says i really enjoyed my time at the game weekend dad uh, oh will you stop calling me that he's like, oh beautiful oh yeah <laughs> it's even affecting the simpsons family at home you know bart and lisa have to deal with homer's second and third helpings there and they're all fattening each other up there see it does the whole flash, um when it flashes to the family and they're all struggling to eat and everything like that it, it brings it Gives me flashbacks to my family. Like we never break. We weren't overly rich or anything like that. But I'm I'm one of four. Um, there's obviously six of us. There were six of us when obviously everything was going on. My mum's a very northern mother, where she will just cook 
and cook and cook. And you'll still have portions when there's only three of us, when there's portions enough for six, for 60 men. And it's just like, how I'm, how I'm as fat as I am and not any fatter, I do not know. So I completely sympathise with, with Maggie and everyone. What is your favourite meal, or you know, your favourite meal that your mum cooks you? Uh, there's a few really. Uh, spag balls are always my favourite. I think it's just a classic meal, really. Um, Christmas dinner of all, of all things. Uh, I once invited my family, uh, one of my friends, over for Christmas dinner because he didn't have anywhere to, uh, to go, um, and it was very weird. Like my family doesn't really, we don't have like family, rest of the family around. It's just us really. Um, and we have basically a big Christmas dinner, and then at night we have what my mum calls a salad, which isn't really a salad, it's more of a buffet. Oh, uh, beautiful. I don't know, anything, like old frozen food and shit like that. So I'm very much partial to being a fat bastard around the Christmas period, basically. Everything that Homer's doing is attracting the attention of uh, Henry K. Duff there. Duff might even spots him now, I believe this is your favourite moment of the episode, Cal. As Duffman is thrusting in the direction of the problem. Yes, and he's thrusting towards what it is. It's such a beautiful day. Where are the crowds? Duffman is thrusting in the direction of the problem. <laughs> hmm. People seem to be drawn to that kook. Maybe we can exploit him. Now it's too dangerous, sir. He knows about Albuquerque. Duffman is a cautious cat. No, listen. Fans love wackos. Mm. I think we've found our newest attraction. Duffman has a bad feeling about this. Can it, Sid? Aren't you can it, Howard? I also really appreciated the gag of, you know, I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, can it, Lance? No, why don't you can it, Howard? Like, you know, he's actually breaking character there to just give Henry K the business there. Um, yeah, a real fun moment there for me. This is what, this is this is what uh, it's one of my favourite little cut gags in anything because where it's just like they cut all the bullshit. They're like, you stupid Lance. There's proper full names in and everything. It's like when your mum hits you with your full name, you know, you know you're in a deep shit there. We're about day five into Homer's hunger strike here, and they've went and traipsed them along and stuck them by the bleachers there, so he can be a mascot instead of you know this protester figure. They don't want him hearing his own message. As it appears, Homer's about to cave in with a rogue pretzel getting thrown at him. Um, he sees a ghost. Now, um, who is this now, Cal? Poor oh, Homer. Um, he starts even hallucinating. Uh, Caesar, what's his name? The actual guy? It's uh, Caesar Chavez. And he uh, thinks of Caesar Guerrero, who's uh, the Joker from, from the Batman, who refused to shave his moustache, so he just painted over it. Oh, like the old Henry Cavill weird Superman lip thing uh, a few years ago. <laughs> I think everyone's seen it with a weird fucking horrific lip. And we've now reached, personally, what is my favourite moment of this episode, Cal. We have Marge begging and pleading with Henry K. Duff, saying, You can't let my husband die out there. Surely you care about him, at least to a minor degree. And Henry Cavill's going, you know, Oh, we wouldn't let anything happen to your husband. She's got the telescope out and having a look at him. Well, he's not moving. Well, he was moving a hell of a lot before you got here. Get get, get the sprinklers. And he gets his stooges to turn on the sprinklers. And Homer's just 
completely out of it. And, uh, as he turns over. See? There he goes. And then I love the touch of one of the students going, Oh, wow. Look at him go. Just completely disingenuous. <laughs> completely insincere. Just, I'm a big fan of this. It's been a whole week. Why are you letting my husband die? Uh, we won't let any harm come to your husband, Mrs. Simpson. He'll be fine. He's not moving. He's probably resting from all the moving he did before you got here. He'll start moving in a second. I'm sure of it. Turn on the sprinklers. <laughs> you see there? He's fine. Ooh, look at him go. It's gotten to the point now where it's day nine of Homer's protest, and the guys are just heaving him out. They're getting him out of there now because, you know, it's a sad, depressing sight there. You know, no one wants to see someone who's, you know, dying out of protest on their field, so they cut him down and they have him come down to the pitch there. As well, as well as his smell is distracting the pitcher, the fielder, even. Uh, I'm currently on protest until the pubs reopen, if I'm honest. So, you know, when I said I was, I've been working in my room, it's it's not through choice. It's through demand of my family. So Homer's now down at the baseball pitch, and Henry Kay's there with a couple of his stooges saying, Homer, you know... Your willingness to prove that, you know, you love this um, baseball team purely melted our hearts, you know. It's given us such good faith that we're willing to give you our first sample of our new uh, hot dog off our menu there. What a way to break your fast. So Homer's, you know, fantasizing about this. And I will say, uh, back to the animation and the design of this episode, as well as Homer being starving and stinky, oh, the detail on this hot dog count looks absolutely delicious. I mean, the detail on the jalapenos and the mango salsa is just, oh, beautiful. 100%. I don't know if when I, if it's because I, when I was watching this episode, I'd not eaten yet. Uh, yeah, it made me fucking craving that, that hot dog, man. As Homer's about to cave in and admit defeat and break his fast there, he realises that, you know, hang on a minute, these ingredients, they're the kind of bold things they're trying. <gasps> Albuquerque and, you know, the jig is up there and the whole crowd gasps there. And then we just realise, you know, oh, you know, the team are, you know, they're going to move over to Albuquerque. And <laughs> fucking Lenny ends up spotting, you know, the rapper saying, hey, they are. It's even on the hot dog rappers. It's like the whole of Springfield of fucking idiots. The media idiots. Oh, it's just <laughs> stupidly brilliant. So the shit's hit the fan now with Henry K. So he tries to get Duffman to escort Homer and beat him up, you know, get rid of this nuisance, and Homer saying, uh, Duffman, you know, come on, Duffman, for once, do it for the little guy, and it's just a typical, I don't know, 80s teen movie, you know, wrestling thing, where the big evil henchman is now turned good, you know, he's turned face there, and, you know, Duffman thinks the more question, ah, what would Jesus do? New feelings emerging in Duffman, and he makes the right decision, he gets Henry K. Duff, and he Chucks him over to the bleachers in a move from Return of the Jedi and gives him a little, oh, yes, good to have him back now, Cal. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it made me laugh, it, it made me legitimately laugh out loud. I'll be honest, this scene, it just, it's, it's just so dumb. <laughs> we get our rousing conclusion now where Homer eats his hot dog in victory, and you know, the truth never tasted so good. And then it just gets ridiculously and beautifully cartoonish where he just goes on a victory lap and he's just necking anything that anybody throws at him, you know, like hot dogs, crisps, eclairs, 
drinks and you get Bart little, all right, Slim, there's a little word of encouragement there. Ah, it's beautifully goofy and it's, yeah, it made me smile. Although I wasn't sure about the proper, proper ending this where we back out and it's live broadcast and the Mayor Albuquerque's, you know, annoyed because, you know, well, that's one venture down the drain. Well, um, you know, we'll see what Dallas is doing. You know, get them to play baseball. Well, they play football, so they'll play what I want. Well, For I am the mayor of Albuquerque. I felt like they could have ended it there with, you know, Homer being victorious and, you know, joyful and that, but then they just have this non-sequitur, and it didn't sit right yeah, with me. Yeah, I did, I'll be honest. It's just, it's, it's like a dumb villain. It's just, I, I'm always a fan of the villain anyway, um, especially when it's just, it's just so... Like the idea, obviously, you know, from a screenwriting perspective, is to write a good villain is somebody leaves there the good guy. Also, what's a good villain is just someone who's a dick for the sake of being a dick. Like, they're some of my. They don't care. They don't like. He just wants to be. He's the mayor of Albuquerque. He can do what the fuck he wants, man. Okay, and with that being the end of the episode for real now, uh, Cal, I'll get your final words, final thoughts, and your. Overall rating for this episode, please. It's it, it's serviceable. It's like I said at the beginning of the episode. Nothing overly, you know. It's it, 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 I, I don't think it'll ever be anyone's favourite episode. Um, it's serviceable more than anything. Um, it's got a few good quips and, and such like that. A few memorable bits, really. Nothing overly memorable. Um, but probably I'd have to give it about either when I say a two point five I don't mean it's because it's a shit episode. It's purely just because it's very average. Two point five, maybe a three, um Duffman thrusting. <laughs> Self Well, I mean for me, you know, it's I don't know, it was a bit lackluster, I was a bit disappointed pointed overall, you know, I mean, you could cut out, you know, almost all of that starting blocko land bit there, you know, maybe keep one or two of the jokes there, but let's just speed up to Homer fixing people's problems. I want to see a bit more variety of I wanted to see a bit more variety in uh, the problems before he faced, you know, the main villain of the week in Henry K. But I will say Duffman, you know, like we said before, he really lifts this, he really gives it a shot in the arm this episode and I like the final act as well there. So with that all being said, I'll give it a fair, and I will illustrate fair, two out of five Cesar Chavez ghosts. Okay, we're going to pull on that random episode generator and see what pops out next. Get ready to bet on the savage ballet that is American football as we're going season three with Lisa the Greek. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star written review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, and the same on Twitter as well, at TylerTMC, or search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.